everyone. Welcome to this informed consent. Uh, what is this? Number 14. Evie is with me tonight, and today we are going to be discussing a lot of amazing things. But first, I just want to say, hey. <coughs> Hi, Evie. Hi. We have Ryan in the back helping out, and we've got probably Mike in the comments. So this is a live cast. So this is where you participate, and we're going to bring you into the conversation whenever that makes sense. Um, and tonight, we are going to be talking about uh, this bad feeling I've got. And I want to make sure that I communicate this because, well, we'll talk about a number of other things, including our unserious leaders and uh, the fact that I think they're driving us into a ditch, folks. Can, can we be honest about this? Now, <clears throat> I'm one of these people that will have more data, more context than almost anybody else I know about. But when it comes right down to it, I make all my decisions, usually my big ones, based on intuition. Like something just tells me it's time. So story time. Evie and I are living in a little town called Greenfield, Massachusetts. Calls itself a city, but I don't know. What, what are we talking about? It's not really. It's, 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 it's somewhere. Tiny. It's a mutant city, city town. Little, little place, but certainly not, you know, the house of our dreams, but not bad. You know, nice half acre in town. It backs up on a river. Um, it's really nice. But right around August of 2019, just prior, sometime in July, we started to get this feeling like, uh-oh, we got to go. And so remember, Evie, we invited all these people in. We had a, a plan B conversation. And I don't know, 30 people showed up from all over. Mike Maloney flew all the way up from Puerto Rico. I do remember Nico this. Yep. I and recall. Dan, remember? And they rented a Tesla because got to drive a Tesla. Of course. They came all the way up just to have this conversation, which is, should we have a plan B? Now, Mike Maloney, if you know him, he's, uh, if you don't follow him, you should. He's a wonderful teacher, hidden secrets of money. He started goldsilver.com. Uh, I consider him to be a very good friend. And he, in the context of doing all of his work and also parsing through the work that I do in the world, had decided the right answer was to own 900 acres on top of a mountain in Puerto Rico. So, <laughs> so that's where he's at um, with, with his crew. And they're busy putting in solar. And How's he doing? I haven't uh, heard from him well, for a while. They were, I mean, well? they're doing great. But the thing is, it's an island. And so mm. small let's say, not fully developed nation states, it's very tricky getting stuff into the country. They right. import duties, there's palms to be greased. People don't have any incentive to work quickly at their bureaucratic jobs. A um, lot, of, lot of make work, busy work on the bureaucratic side. It's just so, it was it, like, this guy orders windows and it's a year and a half. Wow, the, yeah, so is so. he behind where he, he'd like to be? Yeah, of course, I mean, you know, you'd like to just order this stuff and have the big brown truck of happiness <laughs> roll on in and, um, Bring it, bring it to you tomorrow. I so, interrupted you, sorry. So we have this um, uh, feeling that maybe we should talk to other people about having a plan B, but that immediately translated into, by August, this idea that, no, we better do something about this. So I went into this tizzy. I have a whole process for how I'm going to find a plan B location. We developed a whole list of criteria, must-haves, semi-negotiables, you know, non-negotiables, things like that. And so we set about looking for the ideal property. And we looked in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont, didn't seriously consider New York for a variety of reasons, not least of which were their gun laws at the time, although the Supreme Court has dialed those back a tiny bit. Um, and uh, hey, hello from Lakeland, Florida. Good to see you in here. So we didn't consider Florida though for a bunch of reasons, and not least of which was on our non-negotiable list was soil. And I think North Florida actually is is different. North Florida has soil, South Florida doesn't. It has mm -hmm. some sort of limestone some moral limestone <laughs> stuff sand <laughs> sand so we were we, we went into this tizzy and within 
a month, I could have told you every single property that was available on for sale by owner, Zillow, Redfin, Landvest. I checked every possible thing. I was calling realtors to find out if there was any of that amazing stuff that hasn't quite hit the market yet. Um, going around and we actually made a couple offers that fell through, thankfully. And we we're really close to a property in, in further Western Mass than where we are. And that just, we couldn't quite make it work. There were too many sort of like squint at it, almost make it work kind of things. Um, and then a, a perfect property showed up and this was on, in November. And I remember we were on our way back from saying no to a property that we'd investigated multiple times and made a soft offer on saying, would you guys consider a super low ball? Um, <clears throat> things like that. And we called the realtor and said, hey, we just see this thing come up, can we stop by? And so we drove onto this property in, here in Western Mass. We got out of our car and we'd walked, well, maybe a hundred yards into the field and it, it's all done. Full price offer to the realtor on the spot. Didn't even see the houses on the property yet. Yeah, uh, that's, very, that's supposed to be my, that's my line right there. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't even see the houses. No, because typically houses. women are like, okay, let me make sure this has what I want. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we mm -hmm. didn't care. We knew it was home sort of in our gut, mm -hmm. basically, right? Yep. That's what I felt. Yep. So, you know, some scrambling because, you know, the, the sellers had a, a variety of, it was tense. Remember, we had to write a letter to them explaining why we wanted it because we thought that would give us an edge. Yeah. There were mysterious other offers that crept in right at the last minute, which I'm a little suspicious of. Mm -hmm. um, not on the sellers, but anyway, it's just an odd thing that happened there. And then um, they wanted us to waive inspections. Mm-hmm and they wanted all cash. So it was like, I had to really scramble to figure out how to put this together. So I remember. you did a great job with that. A lot of scrambling. And so we got it. And this is an extraordinary property. It has a working dam on a named brook. It has, that we're gonna be able to put hydro on. It has um, a spring, a spring that's 200 feet in elevation, about 2000 feet from the house where we have water coming out of a pipe down a hill with no moving parts at about 110 PSI, 30,000 gallons a day if we chose to use it, if we just left it running. It has excellent soil that hasn't been industrially raped by the standard modern farming agricultural practice, all these things, right? So we end up closing on that. This was November, 2019. We made the offers accepted, it takes a number of weeks. We closed on that on January 28th, 2020. Within a month, of that because of COVID and all these people flooding out of the cities, there was not a single other property like that, like this for sale anywhere. In fact, now it's still ridiculously hard. All these people flooding out, out of the city. So, so why did I, did I know COVID was coming? Did we know COVID was coming? No, nope. nope. we knew something was coming. Yeah. Didn't we? We did. We had crazy dreams. I've talked with um, other friends about this. We had crazy dreams. We just had that that impending sort of doom feeling. And there was nothing more absurd than, I mean, the usual going on in the news. There wasn't any surefire indicators or whatnot, but I think you just trusted your gut intuition and, and I felt it too. And, and we were both ready to put down more significant roots. And, and we were clear from where we had been living that the traffic and the nonstop sort of sound of cars and trucks going by was just not conducive mm -hmm. for us anyhow. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite the, you know, kind of nice yeah. uh, walk to a place community that we desired. Right. Well, I have that yes. same bad feeling again. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I have it again. Uh, no. And I can't explain what it is. So, so there's something to that. I'm a huge believer in head and heart, right? So they, I, I analyze the bejesus out of everything. I can ex- I, quantitatively, I can explain all kinds of things to you. Why, of course, this is an unsustainable paradigm and regime of, that we're in energetically, economically, financially, environmentally. There's a lot of things we're doing that you can just look at and go, well, those aren't going to continue for very much longer. <laughs> we know that, but always the timing is the tricky part. So my view of the world for what it's worth is this, is that when I have a bad feeling about something, it doesn't mean that's gonna happen. It means that the future is an unknown set of probabilities. And some of those probabilities are more weighted than others. And when I get these feelings like this, it means there's a weighting that something could happen mm-hmm. out there, right? Maybe it's about your future as well. Could be know? about my future, like we don't it's, know. I mean, you know, relative to you, whereas somebody else having their own intuition will be relative to their life. You know what I mean? So maybe Could be. your gut feeling has nothing to do with anybody maybe. else. It's possible. She's, but I, I tend to think they're, they're, I'm more tapped <laughs> to the larger set of what's happening. So, so, uh, but I want to read this one comment that just came in. Um, so let's go to the slides real quick here and uh, check this out. I bet you. So I took this person's name off um, because I didn't get permission to put out here, um, and this was behind our paywall. So this is the kind of comments that we're dealing with. Over at Peak Prosperity, our subscribers are are free to talk. We're total free speech advocates, but let's be honest, there's certain things you want to talk about that you really shouldn't talk about in total public anymore because, why? Because the world's gone crazy. It's gone (laughs) insane, especially if you're in Canada. I'm sorry, dudes and dudettes up there. That's tough up there. Um, this person writes, uh, quote, generally in my day-to-day life, I am usually very positive and optimistic, but despite my planning and foreseeing what's coming, Chris, you are way ahead of me as are other people here. I'm finding that I'm having an adjustment reaction. It's just hit me. It's real. This is enemy action. And this is now our war. Maslow's hierarchy is so important. Food, water, shelter, all of these things are being attacked and they know how to tear down the human spirit, and they won't stop. However bad we imagine it could be, I think it might be worse. We must find lots of comfort and genuine human spirit among like-minded people, and that's what I treasure about peak prosperity." (coughs) End quote. So if you didn't see last week's an adjustment reaction as the ever-present, very normal, very human, we all go through it, reaction when a new risk emerges, and we have to process it in some way, shape, or form. So... At the most immediate level, they teach you that if you if you do concealed carry, that if somebody draws on you, it's going to take you at least one and three quarters, possibly two seconds to just even process what's happening. Route that stimulus through your cortex and develop a plan of action, which might result in you beginning to move. Um, so, so that's at the shortest level. At the higher level, we might imagine, longer level would be something really big and momentous happening. Like, like imagine what those people were doing when they're standing in the South Tower of the World Trade Center, and there's all these papers fluttering down and uh, from the North Tower being hit, and there's like, they've just heard that there's been this massive explosion, nobody quite can process what's going on, and you have to go to work, and maybe you're late, and you're at the 78th floor transfer station, and you have to decision to make, do I go up or do I go down? That would take a much longer time to process and think through. Mm. Sadly, people who had slow adjustment reactions in that moment ten, um, didn't survive, because they went up. A lot of people did go down um, in that story. So what? So this adjustment reaction is just that normal human reaction to whatever's going on. Um, and so, 
just as a quick review, because we did cover this last time. Um, but these are the adjustment reaction steps. First, the adjustment reaction, it's automatic. It's like if you walk along a path and there's a snake in front of you, you're going to have an automatic reaction. Oh, it's just a garden hose. Oh, you know. But that instant reaction is going to be astonishing. It's like, or if, if you're a cat, it's a cucumber <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Oh, I wish we had a cat with a cucumber. If you know what we're talking about, Google cats with cucumbers. It's kind of funny. Um, it comes early. It is temporary, right? So that reaction part is going to get, um, it'll go by quickly once, once it's there. Let me silence my phone here because I shouldn't be doing it. Um, and, but this is the one I wanted to talk about here. <clears throat> Number four, it's going to be a small overreaction. In fact, when people face huge giant risks, they always realize that whatever reaction they had is overreactive as it seemed at the time. Like, oh my God, we got to move where we live and we're going to buy a new farm, right? That to a lot of our friends and family is like, what are you guys doing? What's wrong with you? <laughs> it looked like a huge <laughs> overreaction. Looking back to like, oh yeah, you should have bought two. <laughs> One for me. <laughs> right, exactly. It always looks like an underreaction in the rear view mirror. Mm. So this is permission. I give you permission. If you feel like you have one of these moments you have to react to, feel free to overreact. It's mm -hmm. very difficult to overreact when you're facing a big new sort of a crisis coming along. Well, because good news. You know what? I, it, when you think about it, if, if nothing does happen, I mean, aside from it being a bit of a headache to go back to wherever you used to live, if you made a, you know, the wrong choice, it's always a possibility, right? depending on, you know, what your situation is, of course. But mm -hmm. life is full of wonderful twists and turns and just waiting for us to say yes to things. So in some respects, I mean, there's everything to gain and not a whole lot to lose if you're, if you're following that intuition and it happens to be guiding you towards safety and wellness for you and your family. Well, you know? it's all of life. Life is a flow. It's mm -hmm. not static. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes what you're reacting to says it, you got to dodge, you got to move, you got to flow in a new direction. Well, that's fine. It's totally fine. That can often be the best thing for you mm -hmm. in that moment, even if it's hard at the time, right? Ooh, this relationship isn't the right one for me. Sometimes you get that bump that says, oh, this isn't the right one. So you go off and then a few years later, you're like, man, I should have pulled the plug on that one earlier, you know? <laughs> And Phew, I dodged woo, a bullet. Or whatever. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So so I'm getting this feeling now. <clears throat> and. Yeah, what does that how, what does that mean for you? How does what is a feeling? How does that show up for you? I'm just curious. <clears throat> is, it, is it in your body? Is it pervasive thoughts? Is it attention? It's is definitely it? in my body. Uh -huh. It's it's I have a tight jaw. I, I just have a. Almost like I, I walk around like a dog waiting to get hit with a newspaper because I'm, I'm waiting for something. I can feel a blow mm. coming. It's like I, when I wake up in the morning and I get up early and I start doing my information scouting for my subscribers, the first thing I do is I'm just touring the world of information, what's on Twitter and what's Wait, happening at Reddit. And, <laughs> when, yeah, I do sleep sometimes. And, um, you know, what's, I have all these different information sources. So, But I'm often finding myself kind of kind – of, like increasingly, I'm, I'm, I just trepidation almost like, you know, like what's, what am I going to find? Mm. And, and I'm expecting something to break, you know, it's not going to, I won't find it all that surprising if we find out some new hostilities break out with Russia or there's something going on with China and Taiwan, something geopolitical, something war-based, something kinetic, something really bad happening in the energy space, mm. um, something, you know, a huge giant wipeout in the financial markets uh, or something like that. Um, so... 
But I can feel it coming. I'm really worried for everybody in Europe at this stage um, because as bad as our leadership has been in the U.S., it's worse in Europe by an order of magnitude at this point. Um, and we can cover some of that data in just a bit. I, I'm, I, I don't feel like they're like something's happening too where you know as as that commenter said like this is war right you know mm -hmm. um it's enemy action right they're they're they whoever they are they're attacking all these different things so i can drink from two fire hoses of information at once but it's, now i'm being asked to drink from three it's too much for me like if i wanted to i could make a full-time profession out of just trying to find out what new assault on the food system has happened this week right right so true yeah which fertilizers aren't available <laughs> which farm components which chemicals and fertile you know pesticides that they need because of the type of farming they're doing which food plant exploded which area is having a you know a grain malfunction which place is, has too much rain to plant which has too little rain to grow it's just it's it could it's a full-time job just trying to figure out what's going on in the food system mm-hmm another full-time job was you just tracking where it's breaking and how it's breaking Sri Lanka just declared an economic, they said flat out, their, their prime minister, we're in an economic collapse. Wow. Full on, full blown. Western media was like, well, we'll give that one hour of attention, right? I mean, but that's a big this deal. This was a little bit ago, right? Well, it's still ongoing. Right, I'm sure. I mean, but it broke sure. two or three weeks ago. It started four weeks ago. It started to get bad that's when we first talked about it. But Ecuador, yeah. huge protest. The indigenous people said enough, you know, and so their oil wells are all shut down right now. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. You know who gets a lot of oil from, from Ecuador? California. Right, so these things are gonna uh -oh. all sort of spill over. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I feel like I have to track just where's that social unrest right now? Mm. And it's everywhere. Or I could just be tracking what's going on in the bond markets, watching things really begin to disintegrate in Europe um, and soon coming to a theater near you, mm -hmm. um, on and on and on. So each one of these things is, is on its own. It's kind of like that saying from Lenin, there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen. So <laughs> That's part a great of, one. Yeah, so we're <clears> in one of those <throat> weeks where decades are happening. So this is part of why, like I don't, when I can't synthesize it all cognitively, my body takes over and just absorbs all of these pieces of information and goes, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Something's wrong. <laughs> uh-oh. Well, I mean, what are you feeling? Aside from the crud? <laughs> You want to explain what that is? Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, can I say it? Yeah, I can say it. Yeah, right? we call it the cerveza sickness. The cerveza si <laughs> sickness? Okay. We're taking after George Gamble. We have that. that. <laughs> uh, we got that recently in our in our travels mm -hmm. um, from some other traveler, I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, I'm just feeling I, I got hit again with like a high fever, no chills, body aches, headache foggy brain so i'm just trying to hold on to it's normal like the, life never the, mind it's <laughs> tapping like the into well, other things it hit you harder than me I, I think i don't know why but um i don't know either because you're younger than me you should be healthier yeah but for all their sets of reasons my body has its own stress that it's dealing yeah. with so but what i did which might have been different was i got on that throat spray really quick and early because the flccc doctors had told me they said the Omicron really replicates in the um, nasopharyngeal right. region. So you, there's sprays you can put up, which are iodine-based. They sting a little. And I then do. a throat spray, which doesn't sting as much. But but both of those actually, on surface, when the 
virus is replicating and coming out of the tissue, it runs into a wall of death. And so that really helps right. knock it back. I got on that early. So I, I think that helped me a lot. I think it must um, have. I think it must have. And it was weird, too, because we were traveling, so it was hard to know, like, well, am I feeling just kind of down and tired? Yeah. Like, I didn't pick up on the normal signs of sickness as early yeah. as I might have otherwise. Yeah, and we were also stressing it out. I mean, we were traveling. Oh, traveling was a nightmare. I was out there presenting and that being... That was, I was I was on, right? <laughs> I was on the whole time. I know. You were. But, I mean, from a travel perspective, it's also a nightmare out there. As oh, God. For anybody that yeah. hasn't experienced it recently, it's worse than it's ever been in my lifetime well um <coughs> hey uh oh yeah dr zev zelenko dr zelenko died today oh no he'd been battling cancer for a while that I was didn't... i'm really sad to hear that That's um what a hero stinks. that guy is he put it all on the line yeah he really did actually what a firebrand too he just didn't he just didn't he didn't back down so yeah, hey, thank you for for um, that comment there. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> Zev was uh, a true hero of our times and one of those people who ought to have gotten a Nobel, I believe. I think he was nominated by somebody. Was he? Yeah, yeah, he was a good guy. We we exchanged plenty of emails, but we never never quite got on each other's shows somehow. <laughs> so bummer. Yeah, yeah. Um, that stinks. So. With with this, um, we were talking about travel before that. Well, yeah, she's oh, that and, comment came up. I don't, I don't. Um, <laughs> hey, Dan. Oh, oh, and you're distracted again. Dan, <laughs> squirrel, <laughs> squirrel. Hey, Dan. Uh, if, Dan, if that's you, I got your message. We'll talk. Okay, love to have you come back out. Um, yeah, we miss Dan, you. Dan, I think is a local gentleman from from Massachusetts. So we are gathering our local tribe. You should be doing this where you live too. Um, so it's just. Uh, it's just time to figure out, you know, who's going to be in that. If you had to circle the wagons, who's in that circle with you? That's an important question to know and answer mm -hmm. at this point in time. But one of the things that we experienced traveling, which is what well, I'm swearing off it for a while, Evie swearing off it, was I, we didn't have a single flight that wasn't somehow delayed, canceled, interrupted, and it's just a nightmare. The, nobody knows what's happening. The poor staff there oh, don't know what's happening. Sato Vose, they're like, this is bullshit. You know, because um, it, it really is just awful out there. So it's just it's stressful, all that. So it really was. It was yeah. intense. We made it home, but at any rate. But I mean, it's just one of those <laughs> things. So this is this is the the reason I'm really quite sketchy at this point in time is because I track the macro stuff and I can't predict what's going to happen. I can just tell you that things are going to emerge from the conditions that are being put in place. What do I mean by emerge? A complex system is an unpredictable thing. We humans can't predict complex systems. So an earthquake fault line is a complex system. It's got a lot of pieces and they feedback loops and all this and that. We've studied them. We humans have studied them for a very long time. People would love to be able to predict when's an earthquake going to happen. Despite all of this study, you know what we can't do? We can't predict two things about earthquakes, when they're going to happen and how big they're going to be. Can't do it. But what we can tell you is that as more and more time passes without an earthquake, as the pressures are building, as we can detect that the plates are moving, but the earthquake fault line hasn't let go, we can now say also two things. We can say that as more time passes, the chance of an earthquake happening sooner than later goes up, and the chance that that's going to be a larger earthquake rather than a small one also goes up. But that's it. Otherwise, we have to sort of wait 
and then the earthquake fault line ruptures, and then we have an earthquake, and we get to see what emerges. How big was it? How long was it? How deep was it? All kinds of fun things, right? So this is the nature of the beast right now is that what we're experiencing is that the economy that we all live within with all of its components, supply chains and pieces and widgets going here and there and 30,000 mile long supply chains to just create, I mean, this, this phone probably traveled 30, 40,000 miles before it ended up in my hot little hands if you tracked all the components in there. All right. Right. So as we starve that sort of a complex system for energy, I can tell you this for sure. It's going to simplify. That's a euphemism for less economic activity. I can't predict which. That's beyond me. Humans are a complex operating system within a complex operating system known as the energy system, which is itself within, nested within an, uh, an economic system, etc. These are all nested complex systems. Sounds fancy, and what it means is we can't predict what's going to happen, except I will tell you that starving it for energy is a particularly bad idea, particularly the pace. So this is what I was just talking about when I was down. We were in Belize talking to the summit at Sand with Robert Helms and, and Russ Gray's amazing, amazing group of people down there. If you ever have a chance to go, you should. I mean, it sells out, but it's it's um, uh, it's more like a family reunion than than a conference, but man, I learned stuff there. What I delivered to them, George Gammon was there, Daniel DiMartino Booth, and they were talking the economics, so I thought, well, I better talk about the pace of change. That's what I wanted to go, because it's not the destination. Like, falling out of a plane is fine. Hitting the ground sucks, right? <laughs> yeah. The pace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's, what I, that's part of why I have such a bad feeling right now. The pace of change is too fast for too many things how expensive energy is right now, how fast it rose, mortgage rates going up really quickly, abrupt decisions, supply lines getting cut off. There's just too much. Right, I, I know it. Too I much, too fast. Saying. I've been feeling that uh, reasonably as well. I mean, picking up on it as much as I possibly can in the midst of sort of feeling unwell. But <clears throat> I had a few thoughts the other day as we were traveling through airports. Everybody's bustling around and sort of business as usual. But, you know, even in Miami, for example, just so many people, hordes of people running around building giant skyscrapers and stuff. But just the whole idea of what's happening in terms of water shortages and the collapse of the economy and just look at a place and think automatically, can I grow food there? Or, you know, could I exist without air conditioning or would I need to heat? I mean, just any number of those basic questions. The answer is no. I, I just, I start to look at it through those eyes and then I can't see it any other way. So I've been feeling that in my gut, just looking out the window at places I don't recognize, you know, that I'm not familiar with being like, wow, what are they going to do when that day comes? Well, this has been, we're very much bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of folks. So, so you <laughs> and I, we share this, which is like, maybe we should know where our food comes from. Maybe <laughs> we should be in charge of our own water system. Maybe we should be able to heat with wood or oil or electricity or whatever, right? So, yeah, having lots of options there. And so, so a place like Miami to me, fun city, it doesn't have a lot of options. <laughs> Right. Uh, they, they, they have soil down. You can't really grow much there. You could build a box and grow stuff in it till the soil in the box got eaten up by the bacteria, you know, and fungi over time. But mm -hmm. I don't know how you would survive there longer term. Oh, and some of the stores were just, you know, I went to pick up some, some snacks for a trip and 
it's pretty decimated. <laughs> Are you seeing, do you saw the bare shelves there? <clears throat> yeah. I wonder how many bare shelves the average collection of humans need to see before some silent dog whistle goes off and they all go, uh-oh. <laughs> you know it was strange too. it was random things it was like all the fresh fruit like just for some reason in that one area there was nothing no fresh fruit like some fresh fruit like bananas but other types of fresh fruit yep. fruit was just all gone just classes of things you know yep all right well let's um, <clears throat> anyhow i want to talk about <clears throat> gotta talk about europe and this pace of change thing real quick here so let's look at this uh so this is a pace of change situation right here. The IEA, International Energy Agency, just came out. And they said Europe must be ready to cut gas use by 30% in winter. 30%? That's a big drop. That's, oh my God. So Europe uses a lot more gas than the United States, and they use it roughly by thirds for electricity production, for residential use, and for industrial use, commercial buildings. Thirds. So which third? Like, what, what are we going to do? If you had to cut by 30%, does everybody get 30% less? So it's like 30% colder in your house or whatever that works out. Or do they say, we'd right. like electricity. We want our people not freezing. So sorry, industry, right? Think of the shock that'll create. But it's the pace of it. You know, you give them a decade, they probably could figure out how to get through, manage and do stuff. But you can't just, that's, this is a, this is a flick the switch moment, right? I know it. Um, so they say here, widespread curtailments would be necessary if Moscow decides to halt flows completely. So, um, widespread curtailments. That's a euphemism for somebody's getting their gas shut off. <laughs> right? <laughs> the yeah, people, that's at, the be people in the fluorescent uniforms and the hard hats come and they turn your little valve and that's it. Uh, whatever you were doing with that gas is now over. Yeah, that's that key you can't break them yeah that's extraordinary so um so look at this javier blas writing here i love how he writes if you're not following him you should this is in bloomberg he writes there i follow him on twitter love the guy's uh, approach to this stuff he writes here um you know many winters are coming start saving energy now quote the european manufacturing sector is already crumbling under the weight of sustained high electricity natural gas prices with little prospect of relief another wave of curtailments and closures looms and that's before any rationing of national natural gas potentially later this year in germany in the event russia reduces supply even further in that scenario many companies will have no choice but to shut down gas rationing may still be a distant prospect but the crisis is already here the price impact on industrial activities arriving well before the gas supply is interrupted governments need to decide right now which companies will get financial support and which ones won't and it's not just financial support obviously if there's not enough gas for everybody you're going to have to tell some folks sorry now this is the this is the article um, a chart that came with it look at the look at one year this is one year forward electricity prices i i hovered over and grabbed that date there um uh on november 1st 2020 <clears throat> that was 51 euros a megawatt hour and now it's 200 closing in on 250 euros a megawatt hour and this isn't like well it's electricity is expensive right now so i'll ration a little this is year forward electricity prices so if you are a large manufacturer consuming a lot of power a lot of electricity you need to contract for that way in advance to know you have it. So right. you can tell your 10,000 workers to show up and you can you know, do things. So that 
pig is already in the Python. That price is there. There are people paying that right now. And even if prices fell sharply tomorrow, they're still going to pay that price in a year because they contracted. That's a forward one-year contract. So this is how they're seeing those contracts play out in Europe already. That is a panic. Look, look at this. That's look at this. Crazy. Look at this chart. This is amazing. The second thing I want you to note is the date on all this. Oh, it's Putin. <clears throat> I will note that Putin invaded right about here. If you can see where my, my little tiny mouse is right there, right? Let me get my get my magic drawing tool out because you know I love that thing. Right here, February of 2022. If you can see that yellow skirmish right there. Yeah. I would suggest that politely that potentially um, electricity prices were climbing way before Putin had any designs on Ukraine of any sort. Um, and so this is a disaster that's been a long time in the making. And Putin, to the extent he's being used as an excuse for anything, is really just weak leadership. Uh -huh. Just trying to evade responsibility for something. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's astonishing. So, again, think about the, the, the pace of that change, though. You're, you're, if you're a manufacturer, say I'm, an, um, I'm a producer. Um, you're my downstream customer, and I have people on this side of me, too, because I'm an intermediary producer, right? So I buy aluminum ingots. I use a lot of electricity, and I fashion them into these things you want. Mm -hmm. So I have a contract with these people. I have a contract with you, and all of a sudden my costs go like this. What do I do? I have to renegotiate with you. I have to say, hey, no offense, but I know we have a contract. <laughs> we got a good thing going, but. And I'd really like you to keep buying my <laughs> stuff, but I'm going to have to make this a lot more expensive for you. Right. Yeah. If that if I have to do that once, it's painful. But you probably do that when it jumped from 50 to, to 70, because that's like a 40 percent increase. But when it 50 to 100, it was 100 percent increase. Right. But then it went from 100 to 200. <laughs> right. How do you keep up with that? How do you keep readjusting all of that? You know, it's very difficult to do. And then you have customers on your and you're like every time you jack the price up, you're losing them. Right. right. Oof. So many businesses. It's so very complex. many people are are actually going to get hurt by this, I think. It's got legal complexity. It's got actual market-based complexity. There's uh, things happening. And, and by the way, your customers buying whatever your aluminum widget wingles were, they're probably facing the prospect soon because of the way they, they push out the electricity price increases into residential stuff. They're about to get a huge increase out in Germany. So there's going to be a lot of people there all of a sudden saying, oh, do I pay my electricity bill or do I buy these things from EV? Right. Mm. And in that decision, usually people default to the bottom of that, you know, Maslow's need. Right. We buy our food. We pay for our shelter. We make sure we're warm. Shoot. Yeah, this is going to this could go pear shaped so fast. It could like that. It really could. Because it really doesn't matter whether it's across the ocean or not, because it's a global economy. It really does not matter. Yeah. Well, so it, in this Sahavier article, I, I like this paragraph that was way down near the bottom. He said, in private, European executives say they'll use the forthcoming quarterly reporting season in mid-July to announce more plant closures. The affected industries will be those that with the most intensive energy use, fertilizer, base metals, and steel, chemicals, ceramic, glass, and paper. But increasingly, food production will be too. Heated greenhouses and chicken farms face astronomical energy bills. What about all the junk that we're busy creating? All the tchotchke we don't really need. Doesn't Can't we just get much. rid of that? <laughs> 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 you 
No, little little yellow rubber ducks don't require that much energy to make. So you can. How many do you want? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, but this is what a blow. Fertilizers, heated greenhouses. That's a big deal because this is. So I, I believe at the Netherlands, where the Dutch live, I, I think they have like the most greenhouses. I think they actually export more food than practically any other country when it comes to vegetables, because they just have literally square miles of greenhouses. Right. They're like back to back. Just uh, whole valleys just full of greenhouses, right? <clears throat> and they're all heated so they can grow things like peppers throughout the winter and things like that. Huge, hugely energy expensive. So all of a sudden, if your energy bills go up by a factor of five, do your peppers go up by a factor of whatever the corresponding component was? Right. You know, 100%. And what happens if they can no longer compete with peppers in other parts of the world? I mean... Are you priced out? Do they fix the prices globally? I mean, how does this work? I could just see this falling perfectly into the script of that that uh, dystopian screenplay we've talked about. <laughs> From so the- <laughs> when, 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 when I'm ranting in the morning and we're very unsure who's listening, because, you know, that's, we, just, we, we make sure to preface our rants by saying, I'm thinking of a new plot line for my fantasy dystopian screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully hopefully that part makes it into the recording too so that when we get that bad read in court someday we can we can try and pawn it off as if our rants were just part of a plot development or <laughs> something like that. So when we were down in at, at this conference with all these amazing people um, recently down in Belize, there was a gentleman there who was from Belize. Nope, sorry, Paraguay. We were in Belize. And he had a uh, an aquaponics company, a really big one, like the place where they're like huge factory sized things. And, you know, you take the water and you put the nutrients in it and you grow things, right? Vegetables mostly. Mm-hmm. He said that after I gave my talk, he, he came right up, hustled right up and said, oh, my God, Chris, you were absolutely right. Here's the thing. We're, we had to shut down because we couldn't even get fertilizer that the fertilizer in Paraguay, they don't have their own import port. So the fertilizer, any fertilizer that was coming first comes into Buenos Aires and gets offloaded, he said it was all disappearing right there at the docks, he said. And and we would get these calls every so often from my fertilizer supplier saying, I have a truck right now, here's the price. And he's like, oh my God, that's too much. I'll have to talk to my team. And the guy said, "You no. He's like, you either give me a yes, no right now because it's, it's, like it's, dis- it's like you take it this second or it's gone. So he said, oh my God, you know, it's just, that's, wow. that's happening just all writ large. They went out of business, right? Nope. Or they're still in business, but they just suffered a lot of they losses. They had to stop. They had to stop production for a while because okay. they were out of fertilizer. And so anytime they can find some, now they're scrambling and, you know, they're trying to bring some down from Brazil. But it's like, it's a big deal, mm-hmm. right? But that's an example of just like, if you're even in the business of growing arugula for the local, you know, markets and you have a, a, a company that just does this aquaponics thing, you might be out of business because of what we just heard about, you know, Businesses are making the decision to shut down production and being forced into that position. So if this was your last cast out into the world mm. to our people, mm. what is it you really need to impart? Because who knows? We don't know how much time we all have with each other. And none question. of us do, you know? Yeah. I mean, what is it that you need to communicate to to the other tribe members, to our other people out there, the fast adjusters, those who can manage to sort of stay with us even when it's hard and, you know, have been following you for a decade or more. 
I would say don't hesitate. Just <laughs> get on with whatever your plans are for becoming resilient. I do think there's some hard, I, there's dark times coming. Yeah. And there's just too many decades of bad decisions and I don't see any good decisions on the horizon. There's, there's no like, this isn't a Hollywood movie ending. It's more like one of those French films. You're like, that's the ending? Yeah. <laughs> it leaves you with this horrible like, <laughs> take A little away. dark. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, but I, I don't, I don't see that there's any, I don't believe in the political structures at this point. In my country, I'm really cynical. I, I think we have a uniparty. So I'm not looking for any particularly gracious leadership to suddenly emerge and, and figure this out and be sensible. In fact, every single thing I've seen coming out of our leadership has been more nonsense than the stuff before. Mm. You're like, wow, the patient is bleeding out on the ground and you've decided chest compressions are what you're going to do right now. It's like bizarre, <laughs> right? Like, no, you got to stop the... You don't want to speed that up. You want to slow. What are you doing? Right. You know, it's illogical. It's well, it's it's it is bizarre. So so I it's it's sort of gather your tribe. That's the most important thing. I mean, the, the, listen, you know, we can all assemble as much material stuff. When I say get prepared, I don't mean buy stuff for your basement. Sure. But that's that's nothing if you don't know how to use it. So you need to be working on your skills, of course. Mm. And then you also, you need a group of people that you're going to rally with around this because this isn't about surviving. It's about how are we going to thrive? This is the era in which we live. I believe we were all born into these moments. Mm-hmm. And we were born for this time. Born yep. for this time. And either you're born for this time to be a bit player in some role or you're born to really shine and bring something. And I think we're all being asked to show up. And Indeed. really, really shine. But we have to have our adjustment reaction soon because part of the adjustment reaction when there's a new risk, you have to give up what was, right? Mm-hmm. Which was, oh, that's how things were then. That's not how they are now. I gave two examples. One example, oh, I'm no longer safe. There is now a gun pointed at me, right? And I have to adjust to that. Or, hey, circumstances have changed. A big giant plane just hit a building. I have to figure out what's happening and adjust mm-hmm. to that really quickly. I don't, when I show that one chart of that electricity price, that alone, if you could just, um, <laughs> just meditate and mantra on that, like that has, that has the whole story contained within it. I know. That's the peak of a mountain you could dig under and there's a lot of things under that. I know. That all just come from that one chart. And I think this is a permanent condition. Mm-hmm. I think this is how it is now. I think the, the energy crisis we're in is more or less. Chronic. It's chronic at this point. We're not. We not don't have acute. An, good point. Yeah, we. I don't think we have an acute energy crisis. It's chronic. Yeah, I think so too. Right. You know, we didn't get around to talking about this, and I don't want to go fully into it tonight. But I do feel the the need to bring up the idea that if anybody is taking um, pharmaceuticals, Ooh, good point. That you should have um, as much as you're able to sort of squirrel away on hand so that you can gradually taper yourself off. Of course, if it's a, you know, a life-saving drug and you can't live without it, um, you know, try to do the best you can to <clears throat> either stock up on that or to find um, multiple sources for it. But I have no idea if those, those things are gonna be available in the future. And that actually concerns me even more. I mean, food obviously is universal, but when you break it down to individual health and wellness, I mean, a lot of people are on things and one wouldn't know that because until recently 
one <laughs> one's health uh, choices weren't disclosed to the entire world, right? Mm. And so I feel like there are a lot of people that, you know, take things for whatever, everything from ADHD to depression, anxiety, all these things that alter your brain chemicals. And to come off of those, is, it's no walk in the park. It's really not. And it's not any more exciting to try and do that under <laughs> crazy, stressful circumstances. But I, I don't know. I, I really hope that people can do the best that they can to be brave and sort of you know, and this is not medical advice, by the way. Um, I'm not authorized to give that. Well, what but. was um, always embarrassing is when, when we travel and we go to someplace like Mexico or Costa Rica or most recently Belize, you go into the pharmacies there and these medicines that people will desperately need are there to be purchased over the counter. Right. right? Antibiotics. All Antibiotics. Of you can get benzodiazepines if you need them. You can get SSRIs, there are things you can get here in this country. Of course, you have to be on, it has its prescription only in the United States. And even then, because of plans, because of rules, because of all the complexity they put on it, many times you're not allowed to have more than a one month supply. No, you're, you're not. Often it's a 28 day supply for whatever reason. Yep. Um, you know, so, so, but that's it. Yeah. Right. And what if you're on something like insulin, which is just a non-negotiable thing, right? Right. Or if you are on a benzo, those, you can't just drop those. That's life. That's what happened to Jordan Peterson. You don't say. Yeah. No, those, you can't just stop. You can't. <laughs> you have to be very careful with that shit. Mm -hmm. All right. Indeed. Um, so, so speaking of like um, not having leadership that's any good, um, hello from Fiji. What time is it in Fiji? I wouldn't even know. I'm going to guess it's exactly 12 hours distant from us. This <laughs> is a starting point. It's halfway around the clock. So good morning. Um, <laughs> check this out. This just came out. Ottawa, Ottawa by law. Please be advised, say our Canadian communists up north. A number of fine amounts have been increased so as to ensure a safe and respectful Canada Day, <laughs> which apparently has to do with being like complete simpering, stuck under the jackbooted thugs kind of thing. Is that what Canada is about? Because it's amazing. Look at this increased fine amounts, unusual noise, thousand dollars. Right? Is that from the horns? <laughs> Unusual noise. I mean, do you have to like, are we going to have to get the Monty Python guys here to like sort of <laughs> rule in, weigh in? Shouting, a thousand. So, hey, so sorry for all you half deaf people out there who have to communicate um, with your wellness. <laughs> I'm one of them. With your, with your even more half deaf partners. Um, but get this, urination slash taking a dump on a sidewalk, a thousand dollars. Encumber a highway, a thousand. Idling, a thousand. They're all a thousand. So this means they're equal. This means that as far as Ottawa, Canada, Canada is concerned, the Ottawa police and city of Ottawa are concerned, there's an equal amount of damage to a society. There's equal amount of harm as to whether you make an unusual sound or you take a dump on a sidewalk in front of a family. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are equal. No, I don't think they are. <laughs> well, that's what an equal... Sort of a fine tells me right I there. Know. Those should be different numbers, but but you can you can clearly see that this is this is how the they are so good at what they do up there. Oh, I know they're nudging. So really, what they're trying to do is say, hey, listen, you you truckers, don't get any ideas. And what the truckers did was they honked so they can could say put, it's a, pay it with GoFundMe. Sorry. An unusual <laughs> noise, right? Maybe they shouted. Maybe they encumbered a highway. <laughs> I have to. I don't even know what that necessarily means. Or they were idling. But look what they snuck in there. 
you know what those truckers you know what they're, they're just as likely to idle honk or take a dump on the sidewalk like they snuck that one in there to just like to me that's a nudge mm. right that's how oh, i read sure. things like this that's a nudge that that's a I that's a guilt that. by association like here's some things we won't tolerate anymore because of the truckers <laughs> <laughs> They were such jerks. They came in and cleaned up. I mean, they defecated on our... Hey, Seriously. Thanks for the support, DC. Uh, character on the floor laughing really hard. <laughs> well, I, we crack ourselves up too, so that's awesome to have you in there uh, sharing on that. But this is just insane to me. Sorry, Canada. I don't know what's going on up there, but it's pretty bad. And by the way... Um, talking with people up there i find that a lot of people in law enforcement in the military are no longer happy with all that they're leaving they're, they're just exiting but the, the the fear there is that the good people leave right mm. the ones who say this is intolerable the ones with actual integrity and next thing you know you have a military a police and rcmp which are now just staffed with the people who didn't have that integrity right right or yeah. more weighted towards those people. I'm sure there's people with integrity remain for whatever reasons. But, but generally speaking, when a company is going down in flames, you know who leaves first? The best ones. Because <laughs> <laughs> they catch the re whiff early and they're like, I'm not spending my time with you guys doing this. This Whoosh, is BS. <laughs> off they go. <laughs> I know. I could see that happening. Yeah. But, but speaking of unserious leaders, like, like let's carry on here because this is just unbelievable to me. So this just comes out in Bloomberg. One of Europe's biggest automakers warns after a landmark deal to phase out combustion engines that the industry is doomed unless electrical vehicles get less expensive. Huh. Hmm. They're aiming to cut the cost of an electric vehicle by 40% by 2030. That's pretty fast. Um, if EVs don't get cheaper, they say the market will collapse and it's a big challenge. So all the way down at the bottom, this, this head, this, you know, head of this giant company is saying, um, they will comply with the decision, but policymakers appear not to care whether automakers have enough raw materials to underpin the shift. Ta-da. Huh. We'll just legislate it. <laughs> well, wow. Well, we want electric cars. Okay, where's the electricity going to come from? Do you have the materials for that? Where are all your charging stations going to come from? How much do they cost? What's their range? How, blah, blah, blah. There's a million things to consider. I, see, I think this is going to be good. How this so? whole thing. Because I think this whole, it's like we got to just turn over and compost a huge population of people in government and decision making, you know, positions. Technocrats, bureaucrats. It's all, yeah, just Rule, turn it all makers. over. Let's be done. Let's start over. Now, if I could wave my magic policy wand, if I was elected, I would say, here's my new rule. I have one rule. You may pass a law, but you have to tell me which three are coming off the books. There you go. It's a three-for-one reverse stock split. That's how it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. We're just trying to do this development project here in Massachusetts and blah, 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 blah. And, and this, um, uh, the guy at the, at the uh, building permit office told me that th th this is how thick the new rules were that came in in the last code book up change. And so the code book's now this thick. He said that when he started this business, he's about my age, he said when he started this business, the entire code book was half that size. Now it's this big. Wow. You know? City phone they, book. They legislate everything. <laughs> everything. Like a doorway probably has 30 different legislate. How high is it? How wide is it? Does it have light? Do skylights in it? Does it have this? What materials is it made sign? out of? How, how <laughs> high is the threshold? Can a wheelchair get over it? How deep is the... It's just, it's like unbelievable amounts of legislation and regulation. So, so that's what these unserious leaders... 
that's what they know how to do. They just they, they like to they like to make laws. So they're making these laws, but they're they've they've passed. They're going. They just made a landmark deal to phase out. <laughs> Drogue, unusual noise whilst taking a dump. Two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this make me blush. <laughs> Ryan, turn back on that, that... cooling, will you? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure every dump's a two grander, <laughs> unless we can, you know, redefine unusual. It's just, it's just, it's got to make some fun of it. But this is unserious. This is un- this is unserious. They made a landmark deal. We're just going to phase out combustion engines. A wooly, <laughs> right? <laughs> this whole this is this is like this was like Germany saying, you know what, you know what, Here, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're just gonna wade into this war with Russia, and we're just gonna, but not really. But we'll send some missiles into Ukraine, and we'll let Russia know we're very happy. We'll pass sanctions against them, and then we're gonna go. Oh my God, where's our gas gonna come from? <laughs> That's pretty unserious, but it's serious, right? This is, these are people making really big decisions that they can't even begin to guess what the implications of them are. No. But I can tell you it's going to wreck a lot of things. Like they're going to face a collapse of the auto market in Europe if these rules are passed. And they, they haven't even bothered, they haven't even gone the distance of saying, well, do we have enough lithium for this little dream of ours, right? That would be the most basic sort of analysis you would run. Well, well, not only that, but I mean, they've the way the stock market and everything has been treated by the elites, right? The global elites. It's, we don't have a middle class anymore, and so they're they're asking to bring the price down so that the people over here can afford it. But obviously, those people have not been treated fairly, you know. Or mm. in essence, there's been a scam going on that's benefited, you know, the top one percent. I mean. This How do they expect things to go? I think the trucker thing was, was actually far more dangerous than most people realized to the elite. Mm. Because the truckers in Canada were dangerously close to igniting, and they did ignite a lot of similar sympathy adventures in other truckers around the world. But they were dangerously close to having rallied to this idea, which was, if we just stop driving for a month, what happens? It turns out the truckers actually have all the power. Mm-hmm. They have all the power. All of it. If truckers ever decided to stop trucking, this whole Again. this whole experiment mm-hmm. is over. I don't care how elite your elites are. I don't care how many vaccine passports they have up their sleeve or what digital currencies they want to come out. If the people don't go along with it, it's lights out. And that's always what happens at, at these fourth turning moments when cultures finally say, yeah, we're not so sure about these elites. Now, those elites could have been, you know, the Aztec high priests and priestesses, you know, taking the kids from the outer slums and removing their hearts and, you know, praying for rain. And people put up with that for a while, but when they decide it's, they've had enough of that, ooh, <laughs> you know, it's over. <laughs> it gets ugly, too. <laughs> it really does. <clears throat> so, anyway, these unserious leaders are pushing us in lots and lots of directions. And, and like, like here, this, this was the dumbest thing. So, California, I, I have a running competition at Peak Prosperity for the dumbest thing California has done. And we've turned it into the so far award because every day, like, <laughs> like they can't outdo that. And they do right. Just last week, California's like, we're going to give a thousand dollars to everybody to combat and f- to help them with inflation. Huh? Next year, we're going to give people 4,000 to combat the inflation. That just, <laughs> <laughs> just dumb. Look at this. Look at this. 
the California eviction law upheld, so it already passed through and a judge upheld it, is requires property owners to pay one month rent to tenants who are being evicted. It also limits rent increases to 10% what? a year. So even if like your input cost is a landlord, went up 40%, right? My brain was like, huh? I know, but but just the, just the first one, just just that first, so that top part. Um, so what do you think people are, so you show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome. The incentive here, I'm here, I'm sort of struggling along, I'm like, well, it takes about six months to rent me. You know what? I'm not paying my rent. Uh -huh. I'm gonna string this out. Six months later, when they finally do get me evicted, I'm, they have to pay me one month's rent. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that, but that's all right. <laughs> this is going to mess a lot of things up, and and uh, I can't even imagine wanting to be a landlord in California under that set of rules. This is awful. What? Why awful. were the property owners the people that were responsible for that? That doesn't make any sense it to doesn't. me. It doesn't. It's completely unconstitutional, as I said. So that's it a is. taking. That's That's a taking by the government. Right, they're taking the property of you know your monetary somebody property, else, yeah. somebody else, mm -hmm. saying no, it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to you. There has to be, there's a process for that. They didn't follow any of that. It doesn't matter. Judge said, oh, that's legal. So the whole thing is just we don't have functioning institutions here anymore. <laughs> just it's broken. All things, all things kind of broke. Whole thing is just a little bit broke. So so then, um, but if you if you like mega disasters this this one's this one's gonna be awesome <laughs> the g7 countries get together and they're like you know what you know what let's cap the price of russian crude so russia tries to sell us crude and their g7 is going to enforce that somehow right russia wants to sell crude to india and we're gonna say okay but we're not going to let india pay you more than 75 a barrel for that haha -ha. well a how are you going to enforce that but b <laughs> Um, that's going to take a lot of Russian oil off the market at the worst possible time. So as I just covered for all of my subscribers in depth today, again, um, at Peak Prosperity, if you understand the supply-demand balance of oil, or rather the imbalance of supplies being exceeded by demand at this point in time and dwindling rapidly, you have a great insight into what's going to happen in the future. It's really not terribly difficult analysis to conduct. It's pretty straightforward. How much do we have? How much do we burn it? Whoa, this is bigger than this. It's going to be a huge supply shock coming. So on top of that, <laughs> our unserious leaders are like, you know what would be a good idea? Let's see if we can force some more Russian oil off the market. You know, And so what, was, what this was saying here is that this article uh, was basically an analysis by um, uh, Swedish anal analyst at the Swedish bank SEB said, uh, Bjarn uh, Schildrop, said uh plans are a recipe for disaster i agree yarn totally totally accurate and um uh this could easily make prices go to double from here um and and go much further than that so at least 200 dollars a barrel um wow the group which includes us germany and the uk <laughs> it's like the three stooges right now said it may <laughs> attempt to stop the transportation of all russian oil not purchased at or below a certain price what? Again, we'll just legislate the outcome we want. This is how out of touch they are. They think that reality is what you make it. So we think oil's a little high. Why don't we just say it's less? <laughs> <laughs> if we write it 50 times, it'll be true. <laughs> or print it. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, the, you're right. It, it is laughable, but it's disturbing on another level. 
So for everybody that's been paying attention, I mean, this is this is what we've been waiting for. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is what we've been rehearsing, mm -hmm. more or less, the show we've been getting ready for. <clears throat> yeah. But I, I don't feel ready, even, you know, as much preparation as I know we've made. I, I worry about the attention. We haven't had time to pay our farm and mm. the systems that we still need help setting up with here. I know. We need a lot of help still. Um, we'll have to have a work party or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's That's true. the hard part, though. As soon as every you know everybody needs help at the same time. <clears throat> Not a band account writing in. Uh, if inflation continues, we can pay loans overnight. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Well, somebody else was talking about not that just with overnight, me on our trip. But eventually, you know, school loans. For so example. so down in in so when inf <laughs> here's when you know inflation's bad. You're, you get paid every day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really bad when you get paid twice a day. So this is what was happening in Weimar, Germany, at the end of their hyperinflationary outcome. People would get paid twice a day. You'd get paid at lunchtime and then at the end of the day because people had to run out and spend it before it went even further wow. down the monetary hellhole, right? So I'd never heard of that. Yeah. There will come a time. But also, what is, what is the, the financial... <laughs> Somebody was talking to me about school loans and how at this rate, basically, that... Um, we're just talking about having debt right now and what that, you know, what happens with inflation over time. Inflation, well, inflation's been a permanent condition your whole life, mine too. It's just there's no deflationary, it's always there, but we want it contained. 2% means that you only, only lose half the value of your money every 35 years. Mm -hmm. At 10%, you lose half the value of money in 10 years, um, seven years, sorry. 10% is seven years, yeah. But it's, it's much higher than they've been saying. And when, when not if, but when, these oil supply shocks come through. You know, people say, oh, my God, you know, oil at 200 a barrel, it's unthinkable. Actually, gasoline right now where we're down in Miami was a little over $6 a gallon. California, most places, it's 7 That's as if oil is already at $250 a barrel. Right. So we're already paying $250 a barrel at the pump right now. The reason for that is complex. Again, I go over it with my subscribers. It has to do with refinery capacity stuff it's a complex system but we're, we're we have these monkeys trying to take a complex system and legislate outcomes and, and it's literally it's literally like having a five-year-old perform surgery it's just it's just not the cognitive awareness of the actual details required to pull that off are not yet formed mm. i mean it's really this is that's what gives me the least amount of hope in this is just how ignorant our quote-unquote leadership seems to be yeah Right, you see, like Rand Paul was asking Fauci directly, hey, do you have any studies, any studies that show that any children have been prevented from going to the hospital because of the vaccine trials? No. Huh. So, what do you think's coming? What do I think's coming? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I'm getting better after this illness so I can feel this fluttery feeling in my body but I haven't registered that it was something off in the world necessarily mm -hmm. but um, <clears throat> I've been ready I mean I knew something was coming my whole life I've known that and I was told that as well because I grew up in a you know a, a pretty conservative 
sort of religious background, but that the end of the world, you know, was something that was actually going to be coming. Yeah. And a lot of my, I was also in a private school that taught those same teachings. <clears throat> and, um, and I grew up in that sort of environment. So I was told every day that this life was transient and that something else would be happening in my lifetime. And, and so it's actually sort of bizarre that it <laughs> seems to be you know, following that trajectory. Because a lot of generations have heard that. You know, I know, I know. It never happens <laughs> so far. Right. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. but yeah, here we are. So, um, I, what was that last comment? I, I just, I missed that, Ryan. From James, and, and thanks for the support, James. Do you think this is all about the new world order? Love your channel. Keep up the great work. Thank you, James. Um, yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot about the new world order. Um, it, it is. And so, listen, I, I worked at a lot of large corporations, and in my own business, in my own life, I understand what it means to have a strategy and to run a conspiracy. Here's a conspiracy. P&G is going to figure out how to outcompete Colgate for a key market shelf, you know, in a store. That's a conspiracy. A bunch of people get together and they plan to their own benefit, right, <laughs> against some other people. Right? It's just how people are, right? Watch Game of Thrones, read any history book. To think that we somehow don't have that going on in this day and age is naive thinking, unsophisticated thinking. Nothing's changed about humans. Humans are humans. We're wired how we are. So there's a group of people out there who I think have access to the same information we do, which says there just aren't enough resources in the world in this next 10, 20, 30 years for it to continue as is. So we have two choices. One, we can be honest with people and say, you know, we, we, we goofed. We, the leaders who should have been making sure this moment didn't arrive, we didn't do that. But we're the right people to carry you for the next part. Trust us, right? It's not going to go over that well, particularly when they do the whole, uh, this part of the story, you have to eat crickets and take cold showers. And um, we're going to keep the filet mignons in our yachts and our jets. But trust me, this is fair, right? That's just, that's just a bad story. It's not going to work out. So they had to use plan B in their story, which is, well, let's lie to people or let's manufacture a crisis or let's use the powerful organs of, of social media and media and, and politics to drive the usual thing you have to do when you want people to do something they don't want to do, like start a war, get into war, you know, take, make sacrifices. You got to give them a little story. So they use those stories super effectively. Now COVID was a ridiculously good story. It's awesome for creating that mass psychosis condition, right? It's like an invisible foe that's gonna kill you at any moment, right? And so you get that fear and when people's fear stems, the amygdala fear brainstem action is activated, we tend to make really bad decisions. Our field of focus narrows down and Evie and I run into this. We see people who are still terrified. Evie sat next to a woman on the flight back, last flight up, what was she doing? Shh, she's local. No, <laughs> no, she's probably not listening to us. Uh, she was wiping down the seats in like every surface with antibacterial wipes. Sure. I mean, but that's a level of fear. Like there's some sense mm -hmm. that I can control this thing by wiping down the surfaces. Now, this is an airborne virus, so, you know, you'd have to wave them through the air, too. It Do was pretty little... strong. I mean, I, can't, I couldn't smell Flo anything yeah. already at that point, but... <laughs> Yeah, so um, from Zach uh, writing in, thanks for the support, Zach. I returned home uh, FL from China, June 2020. My freedom community adopted Max Fear, masks, stacking, plants, furniture to avoid me. 
warned delivery, etc. Yeah. Um, yeah. That happened a lot. So a lot of a lot of us lost friends, families, neighbors, colleagues, jobs. Um, you know, a lot of things happened. And so, you say something. Yeah. No. I think I think this is the perfect time to talk about um, what we're doing and why we're doing it. So this fall, if you can make it, and I know it's tricky for people traveling at this time. You know, when there's uncertainty and whatnot. I get it. So if it feels right and you can pull it off, awesome. We'd love to have you um, at our event here at Honey, ba Honey Badger Farm. It's September 22nd through the 25th. And it's going to be all these regional or whoever can make it from all over the world, potentially, uh, folks that are like-minded who care about these issues, but are I have a gut feeling are, are bound to become the future leaders in our world. You know, when the dust settles and all these jackasses are <laughs> are not in positions of power uh, I hope I hope that some of the folks the fine folks that we know are able to stand up and and make big changes uh, what's it wait a gathering here at the farm yeah what, what's I'm what, having a party what's this, you're invited what's it gonna be like I mean is there <laughs> anything is this gonna be like a Grateful Dead concert without the music like glow no. sticks and awkward dancing no, or, no what's happening I, I hope I don't know <laughs> um <laughs> No, it's going to be, I mean, we live in this beautiful area out in the country. There's a mountain, Gobble Mountain nearby, lots of beautiful maple trees. Um, it's going to be peak or close to peak leaf season up here in New England. Uh, people are going to be assembling out in a field, so it's pretty much going to be camping if you're interested in that or staying at an Airbnb or something locally. Right. But we're going to just gather around a fire, exchange skills. All right. So Ideas, here's, thoughts. Is that what you meant? <laughs> yeah. No, I just want to give people a sense of what's going to happen here. So this is going to be really amazing. We're running an experiment here. So um, Vaclav Havel said that that in surviving through <clears throat> the, the horrible oppression, um, you know, when he was in Czechoslovakia, you, you had to, um, they created parallel structures. So that's where people are getting back together again and, and, and re-knitting these social threads that you need to be there for each other. So we want to help. I think this whole next 10, 20, 30 years is going to be about the strength of our communities and how strong we have those communities. A lot of us don't know a lot about communities like myself. I grew up in just standard suburban like areas where you didn't even have to know your neighbor's name if you didn't want to. Didn't matter. Right. <laughs> but but certainly we didn't go deep into those relationships. So how do we begin to knit these actual relationships that matter a lot? And so when you look out into how cultures be uh, durable cultures exist. So it could be the Catholic Church, could be Mennonites, it could be Boy Scouts, could be Mary Kay Cosmetics. There, there are cultures out there and they always have four things. They have hierarchy. So you know where you fit in that organization, right? There's Cub Scouts and there's Eagle Scouts. You have rituals, right? Catholic Church has tons of rituals, but for the Boy Scouts, they have secret handshakes, right? Um, and, and little signs that they do or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hunger Games. Right. Um, and then you have um, you have your regalia. So the Pope's got the big hat. Uh, Boy Scouts have the neckerchiefs, right? So regalia. But it's this last one that really matters, and it's mentoring. And so what mentoring is the act of taking something you know and sharing it with somebody else. And it's not a one-way process. Mentoring done well is not a 
giving of something like it's not this person's consuming and I'm feeding, right? It's not that. Mentoring is a two-way process. It has an active, willing recipient and it has a, a caring person on the other side, two-way. So we want to set up and we've asked people to show up ready to be in both of those roles or one of them, right? But for sure you're showing up either as an eager, ready to willing to learn person or you're showing up with some skill that you have. And these skills could be anything. It could be I raise and butcher rabbits. I know how to syndicate multifamily apartment deals. Um, I know everything there is to know about scything. Uh, whatever that thing is that you've got as a special talent, we're asking you to bring that. And so, we're, yes, there will be people camping out. There will be people staying at local hotels. We'll have food trucks. We'll have campfires. We'll have all of that. We'll have tents, you know, big tents to, to huddle under and things like that. So that's the idea. But, but the idea is to begin practicing, not talking about. That's right. But practicing this whole idea of what it means to come together and mm -hmm. to start knitting those threads around this framework of saying mentoring is an important thing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, we'll have secret handshakes and neckerchiefs <laughs> and all the rest, too. Yeah, <laughs> well, well, we'll have our own flavor of that. I didn't I didn't get to finish sharing what was going to be happening. But amongst all of all of the activities that we're going to be doing, we are going to be um hopefully swapping stories and feeling at home with one another even though we have this short period of time together and and who knows when we'll get a chance to be in person again based on what what happens in the future but i believe that anybody who feels called to be there should should definitely come and and reach out to us um about that if you would like some more information um there are going to be some special things happening and it was just absolutely wonderful last year when we did it. Did you enjoy that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was incredible. Oh, well, I was exhausted <coughs> at the end of it, but maybe slaughtering three pigs and... <laughs> Two. <laughs> Two. That's right. <laughs> Felt like 50, but... I know. <laughs> yeah, we processed our pigs and yep. said goodbye to them. They were friends by the end of the summer, and um, we we had a lot of wonderful folks that showed up and shared things, everything from... How do I outfit my house with solar to here's how you stitch up a wound using we actually, you know, recycled our pig parts and um, our one of our friends was you able know, to teach a, an absolute world class leader in, in solar design and installation does mega projects in places like Abu Dhabi talking about principles um, <laughs> of that. Um, everything didn't matter. The point is that people have their passions and skills and they brought mm -hmm. them and they shared them in many cases they came with supplies bags of knitting materials or rabbits right it's all it's yeah, all good great. so that's what that's going to be so you can find that at peakprosperity.com check that out that's our annual thing um from kyle bass hey thanks for what you do thanks appreciate that kyle um thanks for being here part of it it doesn't it's meaningless without you so this is why we do what we do we're just trying to send out the alerts and the alarms and and but hopefully also providing um, inspiration and modeling and we walk the talk you know at this last uh, event I was at, which was George Gammon's Rebel Capitalist, great group of people there. A lot of people didn't know about me, but I had this um, one piece of feedback that I loved from one person. Came up and he said, hey, you're exactly like you present yourself online. <laughs> 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 yep, it's just how I am. Right? So what you see is what you get. No subterfuge, just is what it is. Um, I, I wanted to uh, uh, just, we have to adjust to this new normal. And so as we look at how this whole energy descent is going to happen and this chronic condition of energy insufficiency, 
this Trevor wrote here on our site today in response to this thread around this um, informed consent episode said, quote, I'm quite envious of generations of Americans who could raise a family on a single income. The expendable income keeps shrinking with my wife and I both working full time to provide for a family. I want sound money. I do think sound money could help. Mm. And Chuck in Belize, hey, Chuck, wrote, my dad did that. My wife and I almost did that. My kids simply cannot do that. Their kids, who knows? Grandpa's going to talk to granddaughter about that very subject. At this point, wisdom is just about the only thing I can pass along. This is a turning and we're in it. Back when, you know, the, we're talking about the single incomes, that's when we had massive amounts of surplus energy. Net energy per capita from oil was at its highest mm-hmm. in this country. And so it was, you, you can support a lot off of that. And then when that starts falling, now you need two incomes and then you need three and eventually we all live in these multi-generational homes again right and there's no such thing as retirement once you understand things through the energy lens that's the work i do in the world as to help people understand that component i think it all becomes clear it has it just has to do with how much if there's a lot of surplus energy we can we could have zero jobs per person you know but as energy declines a little bit we're gonna have to get used to working more longer harder Mm-hmm. But farming's easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure it is. Sure it is. Yeah. Everybody wants to weed when it's ninety degrees out. Um, <clears throat> no, I, th- I think you're right. I think I think it is that it's going to be an adjustment, just like everything else. And yeah. and like you said, I, everything in retrospect is going to feel like it's inadequate and not enough. Yep. Um, so, I agree. I agree. And pursuant to, uh, check this out. This just also came up in that same thread at our site about this from Mystery Met writing. Work just put out notice on shortages. They just told everyone. So this person works in a a fairly large um, company, industrial company. They told everyone to buy more supplies than they need right now for everything. Supplies for months. Industrial Prepper Club. Note my boss and I had discussed this last year and I had ordered some big ticket long lead items, but this is interesting to see it become the directive to the whole plant now. Wow. End quote. Um, hey, thank you, Linton. Uh, Linton Herbert, very much appreciate the support. But yeah, so so this is a memo. So <laughs> a memo went out. Hey, just buy stuff. <laughs> I, I put that up because this is this is when I do my information scouting in the world. These are the kinds of early anecdotes that I harvest and I put out because I read a lot into this. You know, this is this is a month before you read it in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, or it's out on CNN or wherever it is. A month before that, you get little feeds like this. This is a critical piece of information right here. This is this is really important. When a large industrial concern is sending out a memo saying, "Just buy stuff," right? It's only a hop, skip, and a jump from there to where lots of businesses are doing that. And then it's self-reflexively creating its own shortages because when everybody tries to buy something, like right now, if everybody said, I'm just going to, you know what, I have a half a tank of gas, let me top it off. If everybody does that at once, the whole system gets drained of gasoline. There just isn't enough for everybody to do that. And we're kind of counting on everybody not doing that. It's like fractional reserve tank filling, right? (laughs) As long as everybody doesn't do it all at once, there isn't a bank run and we're cool. Right. But this is how bank runs get started. This is an industrial bank run right here. So I just want to bring that to your attention, which is why it's things like this to coalesce into me saying, I have a bad feeling about all this. Right. Because mm-hmm. these are the accelerations. The pace of that change is really, really rapid right now. So there. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> 
So, in my opinion, I mean, I think as I can feel you gyrating, by the way, energetically, you're like, whoa, I, I track you. What's it like? I, I don't know how to explain <laughs> it on on camera, but uh, <laughs> you definitely have your your usual sort of calm, centered self is, is a little bit excited, mm. which I can sense. Um, but I, <clears throat> I imagine that it's it's going to be like everything that you practice, right? You you practice doing things, and then in the moment of stress, you're fifty percent <clears throat> as accurate, whether it's shooting a gun or something else, um, as you might be otherwise. And and I think that everything we can do to sort of keep our eyes wide open, recognize that we're going to get some tunnel vision, right, out of fear, but to try to not let fear become the dominant dominant excuse me emotional <clears throat> you know strategy or or for lack of a, a better thing um i think that's going to be important so how, however we can calm our minds bring ourselves back to our center you know rein in our emotions and try to think as logically and clearly as we can <clears throat> it's going to be important i agree and i think the the point of the adjustment reaction work framing is to say but don't try and stifle that don't take a pill to knock down the anxiety don't mm -hmm. try and do anything to it just right. understand that it's there and it's normal and in fact experience it if you will so that it has an opportunity to not get suppressed because it's all that suppressed stuff all that fear and anxiety down and it just pops out all at once um potentially mm -hmm. so to to um Right, we're coming into the close, but I just want to do one thing real quick, and that is to plug what we do at Peak Prosperity for those of you who don't know. So this is an example. I just took the screenshot today. These are some of the types of premium content that we have there. If you like the kind of way that we put information together, if you like the presentations I do, you want more of it, who knows why that would be true. But if you did, <laughs> you would come by Peak Prosperity. Here's an example of things. Um, on the left is uh, we have a number of tiers of subscribers and uh, information scouts get part twos of that's my Tuesday work. You get part one out in public here on YouTube, but then you get part two, which is goes into a little more depth. But uh, if you want to go even deeper than that, the insiders, which is on the right side of the screen, these are just some things that I'm doing daily. Quick, quick t hits here, um, usually five days a week talking about, well, um, inside the, the stunning birth data, which is, uh, that just hit, which is pretty stunning. Looking at um, what's going on with uh, a lot of energy and the shortages and things like this. Um, so these are the things we talk about at Peak Prosperity. If you want more of that, that's the, that's the content. But the most important thing is the community that's there. So to Evie's point, to, to remain centered, to remain grounded, to have the ability to um, as calmly as possible, move through and make decisions and not be paralyzed with anxiety or with abject fear, that requires the other people around us to be our support systems and we can be their support systems. So this is, that's what we're doing at Peak Prosperity. We've planted the flag, we assembled the tribe, and I trust that the magic is in the people who show up and I'm never disappointed. So you saw some of the insights that I shared with some of the comments there. Um, that's what we do. So we'd love to have you there, love to have your support if that's something that you know, would work for you. So, Evie, are you going to close us out here tonight? Um, I sure can, although I just all right changed well. my mind about what I was going to do. So You did? All oh, right. Ryan's got something. All right. 
Dutch farmers currently blocking German border to protest new environmental restrictions. Oh, yeah. Th thank you for the support, CVA Buck. <clears throat> yeah, if you have people haven't seen it, um, there's tractors all over the road and very angry Dutch farmers at this point in time. And, and there are this is, again, I talked about those shocks that are coming from all the directions. And this is one of them where for some reason now European leaders and, and the leaders in the Netherlands thought that this would be a good time to penalize farmers for, I think, putting too much something in the atmosphere, nitrogen or something. Anyway, I didn't I don't totally follow what their rationale is, but uh, they are busy saying farmers are responsible for too much pollution. So let's really crank down on them. And the farmers are very unhappy about yeah. that. So um, thanks for that insight. And again, it's just like now. Why? What an <laughs> odd moment in time to say, you know what we need? Less farming. <laughs> <laughs> and fertilizer. <laughs> and fertilizer. Who needs that less, stuff? Less fertilizer. Listen, too. if there's if there's no food next year, we'll pass a law that there is food. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh where we're at. Oh, my Lord. All right. Last, last one from uh, Mary Ruth Eves Herrera, a Shiba dog dressed in a traditional outfit waving Japanese fans. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your support. <laughs> All, All right. right, here's what I got. And this is just, it's a, it's part of the beacon, I feel like, to, to find our tribe and for the people that want to be here to find us. So it's not by me. It's by this woman, <clears throat> Araya Mountain Dreamer. And you might have uh, heard me read it before. It's called The Invitation. It doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dreams, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you have been opened by life's betrayals or have become shriveled and closed from the fear of further pain. I want to know if you can sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own, if you can dance with wildness and let the ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful be realistic or to remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you're telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself. If you can bear the accusation of betrayal and still not betray your own soul. I want to know if you can be faithful and therefore be trustworthy. I want to know if you can see beauty even when it's not pretty every day and if you can source your life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still sit, stand excuse me, on the edge of a lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up after a night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done for the children. It doesn't interest me who you are or how you came to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you have studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company 
that you keep in the empty moments. That's beautiful. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for being here with us. And by the way, if you are expecting a part two of this, because sometimes people do, there is a special feature which is on um, Inside Take on oil supply shock on the way. Uh, that would be more data and, and more analysis around what's really coming. So if you're looking for it, it's already there. It's already up. Hey, people are already commenting on it. So that just went up uh, about an hour ago or so. With that, thank you very much for being here tonight. This is Informed Consent. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Martin, here with Evie Botello and Ryan in the studio, Mike in the comments, and Morgan, of course, helping to hold everything down with Aaron, making sure it all runs. That's our team. That's who we are. This is what we do. Thank you so much for being part of this. Can't wait to be here with you again. And remember, if you want more, come by peakprosperity.com where uh, we're hanging out all the time. All right, until next time, be well, be safe, get resilient. And may the odds be ever in your favor. And plant a garden. All right. <laughs> Bye, everyone. We'll see you next time.